finish up this uh, series on prayer and fasting today with a message that probably things about, really a lot of us we don't like to talk about, um, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, and, uh, because I think it, it deserves some, some attention, considering that it is the thing that all of us never talk about, but eventually it does happen, and that is the day that you meet Jesus. Like, at some point in this life, it expires. I don't know. Everybody here is like 20 and under. You don't think that because nothing hurts right now. You just don't. Everybody told me when you hit 40, you'll see. Ah, yeah. I can eat anything I want to eat. It doesn't matter. Not true. Not true. You just can't. It just things change a little bit. And you know what? And um, it, it's just a sad thing. I was showing out. My kids want me to do this again. I just hadn't had the courage to do it again. But they were over in the church and all think they was cool doing breakdancing. I did the worm for him over there a couple of weeks ago. Hurt my knee doing it. I thought, it ain't worth it. Like, you know, I know I can do it. I have to show you. I know I can do it. So anyway, it's sad to watch, though. They have not yet perfected it like we did. So it's sad to watch them struggle through this time of their lives. Um, Go back and watch some 80s stuff. Maybe it'll help. But I want to talk to you. I titled this this message. I titled Days of Our Lives. How many of you guys ever, I won't raise your hand if you've seen the show, the program, but... You've heard of the program Days of Our Lives, right? I remember as a little kid, man, babysitters, whatever else going on. I just remember the day this, this show would come on TV. This guy like, sends from the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. And there's this hourglass there with this sand driven. I never understood as a kid. I thought, what is the deal with the, the, the hourglass and these people? And I checked to see, do you know that the same people that died three or four times in that show, they're back again, right? They, they're like the resurrection. They never die on that show. But that's not real life. And they all look the same, too. I don't know what's up with that, but they all look the same. So, but the reality is, after I got older, I realized the whole intent of that is the days around the sand is dripping, you know? Sand's falling. Like, you only have so much time on this earth. We did this exercise with a bunch of pastors up in Atlanta, and so the guy that was there, he was doing an exercise with us. He said, hey, I want to do a, 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 a kind of a life exercise with you, and I want you to see something. So work this process, work through this program. They did a, an equation, best they could, Number of days that you live, if you're a male, female, whatever, the average lifespan of a male, how's your health, do you drink, do you smoke, do you do this, do you do that, you know, this, you know all this stuff's going through, and they tally up and subtract and do this. Well, by the time it's over, you're looking at this chart. I rolled up, took it home with me. I hadn't looked at it since. Like, you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of depressing when you see it. I thought, man, that's awful. And he looks at us, he said, this is not intended to make you feel bad. This is to make you think about what you have left. To be inspired to do more with what you have left than what you've done with what you had before. And I thought, well, that is an interesting statement. I still don't feel much better until I started thinking about it more often. And I thought about our life's capacity and what's, what do you have within you that, you that God has given you that you can do. That, and I'm not talking about you may or may not build a business. You may or may not do something. Sometimes we think in big, grandiose things. Sometimes it's just being a big, great blessing to your family. Like, be what your family wasn't to you. Be that to somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we think these big ideas, well, if I had a business and I'm doing something great for God. No, sometimes you're just being a great mom. You're doing great things for God. That's not a small thing. Being a parent is not a small issue. It's a big deal. It, it, it generationally blesses Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It went through all the process. Being there is sometimes the best thing you can ever do for someone. It's just being there. So I thought about this, you know, it's eye-opening to know this, that all of us are giving, watch this, time 
to steward. Just like money, just like resources, just like relationships, all of us in the room, we're not owners of anything. We're simply stewards. If you don't believe that, go up downtown Rome, walk up Myrtle Hill, and look at all the numbers on the plaques up there. There's not any of them that will tell you they own their life. Because they don't. If you owned your life, you could be like days of our lives and just keep going on. Unended episodes. Resurrect you four or five times. It doesn't matter. You just keep coming back, right? But in real life, it's not that way. We have one life to steward. And that shouldn't create a greater business in our lives. Like I said, a reflective one. To think about it right now. See, I know no one wants to talk about this. Today you will leave today going, oh, man, it's awful. It'll get better as we go forward, okay? Just hang in there. But it does get kind of somber for a moment, doesn't it not? Because everybody thinks about it. You know it. I know it. It's a weird thought to think that one day, you know, I'm going to check out of here. Now, I'm going to see Jesus and all those great things there. But isn't it funny how we think about this world so much more? The reality is it's insignificant. James says it's but a vapor. But a vapor. It goes by quickly. So Psalm says it like this, in Psalms 90 and verse 12, he says, the psalmist says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we might grow in wisdom. Uh, one translation said this, teach us to number our days. So that exercise he was doing was kind of spiritual. I didn't like it at first, but it made me realize, man, you know what? What am I doing with what I have been given? What's the most important thing right now? Really, what is it? Life is about stewardship. Everything about what we do right now is stewardship. God owns everything. The Bible even declares this. The silver and the gold belong to him. The cattle on a thousand hills, they all belong to God. You think you own your property. I bet you don't. Don't pay your taxes for a year. See what happens. You think you own that house. You don't own it. You may think you own it, but I promise you the government will tell you you don't. You're leasing it. You may own the stuff inside it, maybe. Where are you going to put it if they take your house? Well, I'm putting a storage building. Well, guess what? Somebody owns a storage building. And if they don't pay the tax on that, guess what? They don't really own it either. You own nothing. The food that you eat, it's gone in a day. If you're at our house, it doesn't last very long at all, man. Little kids eat. They're like gremlins, man. They just eat it all up, man. It's gone. You don't own anything. I don't own anything. But God has entrusted to us great stewardship. It started with the garden. Listen to what Genesis says. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. I'm going to read this to you from the message, okay? It says, God took the man and he set him down. So he placed him somewhere. He set him somewhere in the garden of Eden to work the ground, and watch this, to keep it in order. Everything about life is keeping stuff in order. Have you noticed that? If you get anything out of order, how frustrating does it get? I mean, it gets so frustrating so quickly. But the enemy in this world, here's the goal of the enemy— to distract, to deceive, and to make us believe that this is eternal. Man, listen, one day, guess what? One day somebody's going to pastor this church. It ain't going to be me. Whether Jesus comes or he doesn't, at some point, I ain't going to pastor anymore. And some of y'all might be like, that'd be a good thing. Well, you know what? Maybe it would be. I don't know. But for right now, I'm here, but it won't be me forever. There's been numerous pastors before me that started this church. It started in 1937. I can't even tell you all the people that's led this church. Don't even remember them all. Much like you don't either. Guess what? They won't remember me either. This is not eternal. This is temporary. So God said, I'm going to make you a steward of everything and keep things in order. Everything about life has order. 
A season, man. It's what you got, a season. And Luke, this parable that Jesus gives is one I think that we talk about so much, and the focus is always on the guy's wealth. But I want to focus on something else. This parable that's in Luke is Jesus talking about the guy who had everything. His barns were filled, and he looked around with a great harvest coming up and decided, what will I do with all of this harvest? My barns are filled. Now what? And so we pick up with what Jesus tells about this story in Luke 12, verse 16. He says to them, a rich man had a very fertile farm that produced fine crops. So let me ask you a question. Where did he get the fertile farm? Got it from God. Even if someone before him tilled the land and made it great, who created the earth? The Lord did. So the earth isn't his. The field isn't his. He's got beautiful ground to grow things in, but he forgot he was not the owner. He was simply a steward. And so it says this, that he said to himself, notice no one's around him. He just said to himself, you got to be careful when you say to yourself stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? Yourself can get you in a lot of trouble. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said to himself again, I know, like, aha, I've got an idea for myself. I'll tear down, watch this, my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all my other goods. And I'll sit back then and I'll say to myself, my friend, he's talking to himself now. First he thought some stuff, now he's talking to himself. You got to be careful. You got thoughts about yourself, that's one thing. If you start talking to yourself that you think you're great and cool ideas, it's a bad cocktail. You know what I'm saying? I got a great idea. Yes, you do. You should do that. Okay, I think I will. Woohoo! Yeah, man. Dangerous ground, you know? But this is what this guy did. And he said, I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you've earned enough now. You've stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat and drink and be merry. Watch this. But verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. Now you would think in the world's case today, it's how much they amass, how much they have, how much they get in life. God said, you fool. For you will die this very night. And then, watch this, who will get everything you worked for? For yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. The good question is, who will get everything that you own? Who will get everything that you've worked for? You ever thought about this? You think, well, I'm going to leave it to my kids. That's cool. Well, when they, when they go on, who's going to get it then? Well, I don't know. Somebody. Government, court, somewhere, somewhere down the line, it's not going to stay in your family. I promise you, it won't stay in your family forever. This stuff is so temporary, and we think it lasts forever, don't we? I mean, right now, you're probably thinking, the car that you drive, oh, it's awesome, it's going to last. It's not going to last. They don't last. I've been through a number of them and realized, they don't last. I wish they did because they're expensive, but they don't last. It's probably cheaper than horses and stuff like that back in the day, but just to be honest with you, you know, but horses don't last either. You know, nothing in this world lasts forever, but we think that it does. The world has taught us that it's going to make, it's not, it's going to break down. You're going to change stuff. Alternator's going to go out. It's expensive to fix. Air conditioner's going to go out. It's expensive. Nothing lasts. It's temporary. Who will get everything that you worked for? And before you think this, well, see, it's about the rich. It's not about the rich. God doesn't care if you have a lot of stuff. He doesn't care. And I can prove it to you from the scriptures. Watch this in Proverbs 21, verse 20. He says this, that the wise... The wise people have wealth and what? Luxury. How many of y'all want to be wise right about now, huh? You know, wise people, the Bible's very clear about this. Wise people have luxury. They have wealth. And it says this, though, but 
foolish people spend whatever they get. Think about that for a moment. Now, I didn't say that. God said that. He, he said the guy in the Bible who, think he has a barn filled to the top with enough to last him. And what does he, his idea is, you know, I'm tearing tear it all down. If you don't know anything about tearing down stuff, it always costs more to tear it down or to do whatever, to rebuild, to remodel, whatever, than it does to build from scratch. Every single time, every single time. This guy, he destroys what he already has. What about his goods and things that are inside it? I guess he puts it in temporary storage. I don't know. He builds a bigger barn, packs it up. Now, watch what happens. He's got a bigger barn, but it's full too. Which lends the thought of you can amass so many things in life, you can get kind of foolish in your thinking. You can think, well, man, I'll tear this one down and rebuild it and have bigger, put more stuff in there. But what are you going to do with all this stuff? Eventually, you got to do something with it. Hay doesn't last forever. I've got cattle farmers beside me. They have to rotate the hay out. You've got to feed those cows. Hay just doesn't sit for years and years. It goes bad. So this guy, he was a fool because he thought it was going to last. In the secondary, a fool is also someone who spends everything that they have. So there's good balance in between it. This is temporary, but you've got to have things in life here. Absolutely. And God doesn't care how much you have. As long as we don't get deceived and allow the things to have us. That's the key. So I love people like my friend Steve who texts me Saturday. Steve Holsinger, you'll get to hear him in a couple of weeks. Well, I go out of town, but he was traveling back from San Jose in Nairobi. And Kenya, if you don't know where that is, it's a long way away from here. It's a long way away from here. Maybe you've been there before. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. You fly. You, you get not kind of nervous. Like, you fly so long, you hope, like, did they put extra gas in the plane? This is one thing you want to make sure they filled up all the way. You don't want to, there's nowhere to stop. You're over the ocean. You know what I'm saying? You know where to stop and get some more gas over the ocean. And so he texts me from Nairobi on Saturday. Hey, I'm heading back. Everything went well. Cool thing on this trip in South Sudan. If you don't know Steve, he just went to South Sudan a couple weeks ago. He's in our church and did a, uh, missions over there and, and did a, a preaching in what's called the Freedom Square over there. Proclaimed the gospel. All these people came out. Over 2,000 people came out to hear the gospel. These young people and everything else was great. But on top of that, he didn't know they did this. They broadcast his message all throughout the region live. Do you realize the impact, something like that? Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. I can't wait to hear more of the story. But that happened because of a guy who, watched this, who I admire so much because he's a pastor who retired who had a big church, bigger than ours, nice church up in Alaska. He was set up. You understand what I'm saying? Everything, he didn't have to deal with whining, complaining people a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you start out, man, you hear everybody's story about something. Why you should do this. I don't like that church. Everybody, why you ought to do this. We ought to go in this way, man. And you get through all that after a couple of years, and church grows a little bit, and pretty soon you can kind of set a course and move forward and, and kind of lay out a vision of what God's given you to do. Man, when you start out when it's small, man, you hear everybody complains about so much stuff. Now, people still do a little bit. But the cool thing is when you get a lot, enough size and you don't have to listen so much to it, you know? You get to a point where you're kind of moving and you're actually accomplishing a lot more because a larger church, contrary to what people believe, it's better. It's better for everybody. You can do more to help a city the bigger the church is, especially when churches work together like we're doing right now. It's a great, great thing in your city. But he had a great church. And I admire him so much because he decided that, you know what? I've done what God's given me to do. I have completed my, my course right here for this season of life. He turns it over. They give it to someone they recommend, turns it over to a younger pastor. He moves to Rome. And I find out who he is. I'm like, why are you, what? Like, I don't get it. 
He goes, well, get to a point where, you know, how much more can I do? So this guy decides, not only that, he decides he's going to keep flying and preaching the gospel. You know, it takes 30-plus hours to get to the middle of nowhere in a wheel of South Sudan. You can look it up on the map. You ain't going to find it. It's going to be hard to find. You've got to zoom way in. It's on there, but it's a long way. For 31-plus hours of flights, connecting flights, getting there, that's nonstop. Like, you got a two-hour window to get over to the next flight. It's, it's very laborsome. He's, I think, maybe 71, maybe something like that. I think is that right? Still doing that. Because you know what he realized? What's eternal means more than what's temporary. Now, you might not hop on a plane and go to the backside of South Sudan. I'm not saying everybody needs to do it. Matter of fact, you probably don't need to do that unless you go somewhere else first because that is a trip. Let me tell you right now. I've been there. I was shocked about what all you had to go through to get there. But I've been to some other places too because I kind of was a little more prepared. Take some small steps. Go somewhere else first, okay? My point is you may not be able to jump on a plane and go somewhere like that. But what can you do with what you've been given right now? What is it that matters the most to you? Think about this for a moment. Is it what we own, we think we own, our homes, our cars, our jobs, our 401ks, our retirement, all this stuff? Or is it really being a good steward and blessing and building God's kingdom? Because in the end, when we get to Jesus, guess what he's going to say? Man, you know what? Your 401k was awesome. How'd you get such yield and gains, man? I need to let some people know about that stock right there because these guys aren't doing so good. That was amazing. How did you do that? He's not going to do that. He's not going to say, you know what? I love that house you had. How you painted that stuff? That's cool. I need to tell some people about that, you know? Because some people, they got some bad taste. I'm going to help them out. You did good. He's not going to do that. Anything you can think of that we think is permanent here, he's going to look at it and be like, it means nothing. Even in the scope of the world and the life and everything, pastoring a church, he's not going to look at that and say, I'm glad you pastored a church. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you to steward? Mine just happens to be a church. Yours might be a business. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your husband or wife. Whatever it is right now, I'm just telling you, God's put you there for a season. Whatever it is to put things in order to be a good steward of it. You may wonder, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why am I got this situation? I don't understand what God's trying to do. Hey, look around. I guarantee you there's something out of order. You could kind of work it out and put it in order and make it better. Be a good steward. That's what Adam did. He looked around and said, there's weeds. You got to get rid of that. Plant some tulips. Do that. Look around the place you work. Look around your home. Whatever. There's stuff. I guarantee you, you can put in order and make it better. That's what a steward does. Every time we look around this room, our team, man, they get probably... I don't know, I drive them crazy every now and then, I think, because I look around and I find things, not because they don't do a great job, but my thing that I do, I see, I see stuff, I go, that's out of order. Not because we don't do great, they do great, our volunteers do great, but nothing is ever completely in order. You can never take a back seat, can you, with your kids? Like if they're in your house right now, do you just sit back and say, you know what, everything's great. They're wonderful. They're going to be just fine. Junior can eat some Cheerios. He's going to be good. He's like four years old. No, he can pour the milk. He's fine. No more No more supervision. He'll be great. Go for it, son. Would you do that? Everybody in this room know that's nuts. So the Bible tells you the child left to himself bring their mother to shame. You can't leave them alone. They do crazy stuff. I got a three-year-old right now. She's about to turn four. You know what she wants to do when we're not looking? 
I got safety outlets, outlets in the house. Thank God. She likes to stick stuff in the outlets. None of the other two did this. This one decides it's a cool thing to do. Let's just... And you know, I hate to say this, but if it was a cat trying to do something, I'd probably let it go. Just let... <laughs> just... But it's my baby. I can't do that. Some people, you know, let a kid learn. Let a, that's something you don't let them learn on. That, that might hurt bad. I don't... But she likes to just plug stuff. I'm like, you can't do that right now. Now, when she gets older like the other ones, I expect at that point you can handle an outlet. Plug it in. You can brush your teeth at a certain point in your life. I shouldn't have to do that for you anymore. The three-year-old, she thinks she can. That's all she does. I said, okay, baby, look, calm down. It's not a, you're going to sand away the layers of your teeth, you know. Go in there easy, gentle, baby. You just round like the dentist teaches you. Round, just round. Like you got to teach that. Why? Because they don't. They're learning. You're always trying to make things better, put it in better order. That's being a good steward. You may think it's not a big deal, but it is. Life is all about being a great steward. And so, this guy is called a fool, and I think it's interesting. But the greater goal in the story, I think, should be this: having barns with a purpose. So, what is the purpose of your barns? That what God has given you right now, what is the purpose of your barns? Let me throw out to you another way. What if you got the call that God gave this guy? You got the one-day speech. Like, you know, hey, listen, that's great. You got big barns, but guess what, Bubba? Tonight, you're checking out. You're checking out of this one, and you're not coming back. What would that do in your thinking? I can already tell you what, for most people, this is what, first of all, you cry. You'd be sad. Then you get through that a moment. Then you think about the people that maybe I'm still in disagreement with. I need to make some stuff right. You'd ask for forgiveness. You'd, ask for, you'd repent for some things. And before God, you'd, you'd get, you know what I'm saying? Your mind would start going through stuff. You'd make some adjustments. What are you doing throughout the whole process? You're putting things in what? In order. It's all about stewardship. See, we know what we would do at the end. Why don't we just do it now? Save ourselves the turmoil. And the question is this, would I waste it on foolishness like some will? You've heard the statement some people said, man, if I only had one day to live, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd go, I'd drink, and I'd do all kinds of, I'd raise them, you know what? Yeah, right. There's a few people that would do that. Most people would examine their lives. Say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a couple more hours with my family, or I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. They'd make it count with things that matter most. But what is the best use of the time then that we have remaining? So Paul said it like this. Listen to this. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. Y'all all right? I know it's kind of, I know it's one of the bills. Just hang in there. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Come on, listen. In math, which one is better? To live is Christ. Okay, that's, that's a good thing. But watch this. To die is what? It's gain. It's better. Now, in, just in math, no matter what kind you have, common core, basic, old school, it don't matter what you got. When something is better, what does that mean? The other is good, but this one is what? It's better. I don't care. In any other language you want to call it, I don't know. Is that bueno? It's good. It's good, okay? In Spanish, I don't know any other languages, so I think that's the best I can do for you. To die is gain. Not for those of us who are, it's sad. It saddens all of us, but the reality is it is gain. You step into the presence of Jesus. He doesn't step in here like right now. We worship him. You step into his presence, everlasting. Do you understand? 
we can't even comprehend that. But the eternal becomes the reality for once in our lives. Instead of, I don't know, you know, all of a sudden, angels. What? What's that? You see the stuff you've heard about. Peter comes walking up, and he ain't making mistakes like he used to. He's walking up all sure of himself. And How you doing, man? What's that? I'm Peter. Oh. You meet disciples. You meet people. You hear about the Elijah. And there's Moses, man. Did you really part that scene? The Lord did. Wow, Moses. I mean, the more you see, the more weightier it becomes until pretty soon you see this man from Galilee. And all of a sudden... Stuff gets very real. And by the time a couple of hundred years goes by, you might get up off of the heavenly pavement, streets of gold maybe, and look at him again. Because he's so weighty who he really is. And that's the reality. That's the real. It's better. This is temporary. Paul said, if I stay here for Christ's sake, it's, it's a good thing. It's, but it's really for you. He goes on to tell this, to, to live is Christ. In other words, I'm doing this to be a benefit to you. Everything is about stewardship. If I'm here right now, what is it for? It's for Christ's purpose. What's his purpose? To do something to better the world I'm in right now, the people around me, to be a benefit, to be a blessing, to build his kingdom. But if I die, man, I ain't coming back. Love all y'all. But if I'm gone, I'm gone. When I see him, everything else is going to just pale in comparison. To die is gain. So in the process of this life, here's the goal. If we want things better, if you want the greener grass, it's not on the other side of the pasture. It's not on the other side of the fence. You've heard the statement, right? Well, the grass is always greener on the other side. You may tell you why it's always greener. Because they worked that field. They planted that grass. They stewarded what they had better than the field that the other person was in. So if you want greener grass, what do you do? Be a better steward. If you want things to be better here on this planet right now, be a better steward. Steward the relationships that you have. Stop being so frustrated with it. Release people. Forgive people. Give them grace, man. Love on some people. Hug some people, man. Tell them I love you. Even if nobody ever told you, nobody told me I love you. Shut up. Who cares? What are you going to do? Tell them somebody you love them, man. It means a lot. Hug them around the neck. Let them know, man, you really care. Because listen, it's not this. I think we all realize this. It's not going to be your government is going to make everything better. I love We have some great people locally that I love. I love them dearly. We pray for them. They're great people. I love them all. They do a great job. But they're not going to fix everything. They can't. Money isn't going to fix everything. The only way it's going to be better is if we're right here, right now, tending his garden, and we are building his kingdom. That's what makes things better. Can't wait for somebody else to do it. If we focus on so much here, that we get so preoccupied with right here, we forget about the game that's coming later. The better, the, what we're supposed to keep our eyes on, man. The thing that's coming up before us. But what we should do is we tend our lives here. We be good stewards here, but we watch this. We prepare for there. Prepare for there. As a pastor, I'm just, I'm just pouring out my heart to you this morning, man. As a pastor, listen, I have attended more family gatherings around going home services, funerals, if you will, than most of you in this room will. 
You understand what I'm saying? I don't, not to diminish what you do. I'm just saying, in my world, that's a big part of what we do. And every time I get around people, I never hear them say, oh, man, let me tell you about dad's this or mom's that or cousin's this or something. They never tell me about what they, they tell me about who they were. They tell me about how much they love. They tell me about, they tell me about their, their life, not about what they accumulated. That's the most important thing. So too many times, this is what we all do. Let's just shoot straight this morning, okay? I'm going to wrap it up with a beautiful scripture. You're going to love it. You're going to feel so much better when you leave here, okay? But I, I bet you anything we're thinking right now, though, aren't we? Yeah. It's good to have a gut check every now and then. You should have went through the exercise I went through. It almost made me want to throw up because at least I'm not giving you all that, you know? This is what you typically do, though. We say this. When I, then I. Well, when I get a great job, then I will be generous. Well, when I get this promotion, I'll have more time, then I'll be a part of this. Well, when I get you know, my life in control, then I'll be a better husband. Or when I don't have to take care of so many kids, then I can be a better wife. No, the problem with all of that is it delays everything that's important. Have you noticed that? Because the world says, well, if you could accumulate this or get that, then you can do it. No, reverse it. Let's just do it now. Then I thought to myself, instead of tearing down my own barns that I have, what if I saw that they were full then I decided to take care of my family. What if I looked around and thought, well, my barns are filled. What? Then I looked around and decided to help people that were in need. What if I looked around my barns were filled, then I looked around my job and decided, man, you know what? They need some help. What can I do to help you? My barns are filled. My, my department's going great. Um, I'm not going to let slack off what I'm doing, but you need some help. What can I do to help you? What if I was a blessing? Do you see what I'm saying? Putting off things, you might put them off too far and not get a chance to actually accomplish them. All right, so let me close out with this scripture. It'll make you feel so much better. So in Revelation 21.4, you've heard this verse before. It's been in movies and all that kind of stuff. But Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, the scriptures say this, in that day... He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have all passed away. One's translation says the first order of things have all passed away. It means all the pain, the turmoil, the problems you experience here, they're gone. All of them, they're gone. You're going to rejoice. You're going to see people you haven't seen in years. You're going to have the time of your life when you go through the gates of heaven. And the scriptures declare this, though, all tears. That means the pain that we see right now. Little babies, when you go over to places where Steve's at right now, or when he's back from, he'll be back probably sometime today. It takes that long to get. He texts you on Saturday. I'm over. 
he's still traveling probably, I don't know. But do you realize that what I saw there just breaks my heart? What I see here breaks my heart. But it's one thing here, it's a different type of pain you see here versus there. You see little kids who, there's no hope. You forget it. There's not enough medicine can get in there to fix the problem. It's, it's, a, it's a despairing hopelessness. When I look around here and I see some of the problems that go on here, and I think people talk about we got all these issues and all these problems. We really don't. What we have is people who just don't want to steward. Bottom line. Because you can fix junior simply by stewarding. In most cases, in most cases, I'm not, please understand, I'm overgeneralizing. I understand. I get that. But by being a steward, just simply, you can handle what you can handle. You can't handle some things. You can't fix everything. I understand that. Don't, don't take it wrong. You understand that. But by being a steward, we can change a lot. I know I can by just simply being better stewards. So here's the thought I'm going to leave you today. What is God saying to you today about being a steward? What is God saying to you about being a steward? Our worship team is going to come up. And I will leave you with some, some questions, okay? I'm going to ask you a couple of questions as they're, as they're coming up. The first thing I want you to realize is this, that there's better later, but right now this isn't mine. I'm just a steward. I'm just a steward of everything that I have. I'm a steward of my life. This is why, you know what, I examine some stuff in my own life, and I realize, you know what, we've been fasting and things like that, and I realize, you know what, I feel better when I stop eating or drinking certain things. So I'm not trying to pick or play, but I'm just being for real for right now for me, okay? I decided that I'm just going to kind of leave that off the plate for a while because I feel better right now. It's not worth the heartburn. You know what I'm talking about? It, when you turn 40, let me just help you all. I love every one of you all so much. When you turn 40, you will experience something called heartburn. Right now you get all the pepperoni pizza you want to eat. It doesn't bother you. You can eat it all. Double pepperoni, five pieces. I used to do the same thing. It doesn't matter. You get a little bit older. Oh, man, one piece is like deathbed. Man, it's awful. So I'm trying to switch up some stuff, man. That's me, though. I'm not telling you what to do. But I'm just a steward of my body as well. How are we taking care of the temple that we have? A couple of questions for you this morning. Is there an area right now that God would like to bring order in your life? Think about it just for a moment. Is there an area right now in your life that God says today, hey, listen, pay attention to that guy's up there yakking about heartburn and stuff. I want to I bring some order in your life in this area. Is he talking to you this morning about that? Is there some of you in this room right now he's talking to that he's saying, hey, you're too focused on filling your own barns. You're preoccupied by, your barns are basically filled and you're thinking about tearing them down and building more. And he's saying, you got enough. You, you got enough. How much more do you need? Before you switch gears and say, what can I do now to be a blessing to others? Here's the question I'll leave. This is the one that really hits home. With the time that I have remaining, <clears throat> do I have a purpose for that time? Do I have a purpose for that time? A purpose. That means I'm not just going to live my life going through the motions. I, I got a purpose for what I'm doing. And maybe for you, it might be a blessing to your family. Fantastic. Be a purpose for it, what you got left. You know, I want to change my family tree. Fantastic. Get after it. 
purpose. But don't let the world deceive us into thinking this is it. It's not it. There's more coming that's better and greater. But right now, how can I steward what I've been given to the best of my abilities to be who God's called me to be?